Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this beautiful Tuesday, November 7th. What a great time to be a Philadelphia fan. We got an 8-1 and one football team, and don't look now, but our 76ers have won five games in a row, 5-1. and one. They look good. They look really good. Nick Nurse is a good coach. I want to talk a little bit about the Sixers today. Unfortunately, our Flyers are struggling a little bit, representing the Fly Guys today. Lost four of five. They're five, six, and one on the season. And we got some Phillies news to talk about today as well. They've kind of started their off-season moves. Made a qualifying offer to Aaron Nola. Signed a couple of pitchers. Zach Wheeler wins his first gold glove in his career. So we'll talk a little Phillies today as well. It's been a while. But let me see who we got in the house today for the Power Hour. Like we are joined every Tuesday, we'll be brought Eagles insider Dave Spadaro in about 10 minutes. He's going to come to us a little earlier today. He's got a meeting. So we'll talk to Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. But a lot to talk about today. Let's see who we have in the house. I saw Wine Niners Wine, first one in the chat. Good to see you, brother. Jim G, how are you? Tony, good morning. Wheels, fly, Eagles, fly. Crawley, what is up? Jim G, 9876s. Wine Niners Wine. <laughs> Time for the commies to sell the Sixers. I wish, man. I wish. Daz, I appreciate that. A little reminder to hit the like button. Denise Larada in the house. The fact checker in the house. Anita in the house. WCBJJ. Fly Parks. Love it. Good morning to everybody. Appreciate you all joining the Philly Sports Power Hour. I saw some of you guys last night. As you know, I do the Legal Hands to the Face show every Monday night at 6.30. And if you weren't able to make it live, check it out. It is still up on the Jacob Sports Network and on my YouTube channel. It was a great show. We had Philadelphia legend Ray Didinger join the show last night. So check out the Legal Hands to the Face show with Ray Didinger. Had a great 40-minute conversation with Ray. I could talk to him all night about the Philadelphia Eagles. Just a great, great, knowledgeable guy. Twiz, I see you. What's up, brother? Crawley asking if the Eagles should target Gronk. All right, look, we got a lot to talk about, but let's, since you asked, let's talk about Gronk. Philadelphia Eagles are not getting Gronkowski. He's, hasn't. I don't think he's played in a couple of years. Dallas Goddard's only out for four weeks. It's a big loss. Dallas Goddard being out is a big loss. It hurts your running game. It hurts your passing game. But they are not bringing in Rob Gronkowski. I don't think that there is a even 1% chance that Gronkowski comes to Philadelphia. He's done. He's done. So we love hearing the name. The name gets thrown around. But he is done. And talking about another guy who's done now that we're thinking about that, Carson Wentz. The fact that this guy is, is still not getting looks from teams with all the injuries that are going around the NFL at the quarterback position, that Carson Wentz still isn't getting a phone call. How the New York Giants aren't calling Carson Wentz just goes to show that this guy, nobody wants him. It's unbelievable the decline of Carson Wentz from that 2017 season. It's really sad when you think about it. I mean, we all remember sitting here in 2017 thinking that Carson Wentz was going to be a franchise quarterback for years to come. And look at the decline in only a short six seasons. He's not even in the league, and nobody wants him. So really crazy, really crazy. But guys, smash that like button for me if you're here. Keep engaging. 
Love that you all take the hour to spend with me on the Philly Sports Power Hour. But before we get into Eagles talk with our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro, let's talk a little 76ers. Who Who in the chat's a Sixers fan? They win their fifth straight game last night. Crushed the Wizards, 146 to 128. And Joel Embiid was absolutely unbelievable last night. He put up 48 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists, and he did it in three quarters. The guy didn't even play in the fourth quarter. He only gets 31 minutes last night and puts up 48 points in 31 minutes. He was 17 of 25 shooting, and he was 10 for 10 in that third quarter. And that's after starting the game one for five. He looked off to start the game, and then he went off for 48 points. Tyrese Maxey, also another good game, 22 points, had a career-high 11 assists. Even Nicholas Batum getting in there with a couple big shots last night. So this team, man. Nick Nurse is a good coach. He's a really good coach. If you guys watched the Sixers over the last couple of seasons, we all would yell at the TV sometimes watching the decisions that Doc Rivers would make. And they have a good coach right now, a really good coach with Nick Nurse. And before this game, this was an interesting stat, before last night's game, they were the first team in NBA history to have four players Average over 20 points per game in the first five games of a season. That's crazy, man. That's really spreading the ball around. Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Kelly Obrey, and Tobias Harris all had over 20 points a game the first five games. And Obrey looks good, man. So I, I like this team. If they can keep winning games, we've talked about it. They have the assets that they can make a move at the deadline, hopefully, to bring in a star that maybe puts them over the top in the playoffs. But, yeah, big test. Big test tomorrow night against the Boston Celtics. That'll be a good game. It's actually for first place in the Eastern Conference, which is crazy, which is crazy. So we'll talk a little bit more 76ers, but it's good. It gives you something to do, especially during this bye week because I never know what to do with myself when there's no football, no Eagles football. But at least we'll get to settle in on Sunday, watch the red zone all day, and there's things. We'll talk about that later in the week because there's teams we should be rooting for this weekend. But then let's jump over to a little Phillies talk. It's been a while since we could talk about our fight in Phils. But let's talk about our fight in Phils for a second. No surprise here. They extend the qualifying offer to Aaron Nola. That's expected. It's a little bit similar, guys, if you're football fans, a little bit similar to a franchise tag, although NOLA doesn't have to to play on it. But when you extend that qualifying offer, the way it works is if NOLA was to accept it, which he's not going to, but if NOLA was to accept it, it is a one-year deal, and then they take the average of the top 125 salaries in Major League Baseball, and that's the one-year deal that NOLA would receive. So this year, it's a little over $20 million. So there's no way that Nola's going to accept that. But as expected, the Phillies do that. Because now, if he goes elsewhere, they would get compensation. They would probably get about a fourth-round draft pick in the 2024 draft. So it makes sense. That was expected. The question was, were they going to make a qualifying offer to Reese Hoskins? And they did not. Because I think Reese Hoskins would have jumped all over a one-year, $20 million deal. So Nola, as expected, rejects that offer. So now if he signs elsewhere, the Phillies would get some draft compensation. So I see Jason A-Team in the chat, New Jersey Fishing Maniac in the chat. What is going on? Kevin Savard, good morning to you as well. But Jason A-Team saying, what's up with Nola? As expected, they extend the qualifying offer. All that does now is assure that if he signs elsewhere, they're going to get a probably a fourth-round draft pick. So we'll see what shakes there. Now, if the Phillies are able to re-sign Nola, they actually lose a draft pick, and they also lose some money with regard to their international money. They did it with uh, – I think they did that with Castellanos as well. So 
But we'll talk more about the fight in Phils because they also made a move signing a couple of pitchers. Nothing big, that, nothing that's really going to move the needle. But we're going to switch to the Eagles now and bring on our guests like we do every Tuesday. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro joining the show. What's up, Dave? How you doing, my brother? Oh, we got Dave muted. Can you unmute him, Xander? So I was muted. Sorry. I'm already in, in brain uh, brain relaxation mode. Yeah, I'm you're doing well, Bill. Good morning. Doing in the building. Oh, you get a bye week too? Yeah, we all get a bye week. I mean, well, the office closes later in the week, so everybody gets a bye week. Everybody gets a few days off. Much needed few days off. Yeah. It's been a long, it's been great, fun, but and it really comes at a great time for everyone. It really gives you a chance to charge up um the batteries. You know, those who always aspire to work in sports, it's great. It's also very time heavy, intensive. I mean, training camp started in late July. Uh, really, there was a couple of days off right uh, around Labor Day, but that's been it. And, and that includes weekends. So it's a long, long journey. It's a great journey, but having just a few days off really gets you charged up for the stretch run. I will say, though, Dave, what you are lucky that you get to do is report, though, to that NovaCare complex because I've had the benefit of being inside that NovaCare complex. you got a beautiful place to go to work every day. I agree. It's, it's awesome, wonderful people. Um, they do it right. And it's, you know, it's weird to say it opened in 2001, so, and it, we're, we're within city limits. And so I give a lot of tours and stuff to people and, you know, like – We've done so much work rehabilitating it, you know, refurbishing it, uh, keeping it modern. But because it's within city limits, it's smaller than other facilities around the league. And but it's very special. It's very intimate and everybody gets to know each other. And I think that's what makes it special. I think that's part of what makes it such a great culture. And a pretty good cafeteria, too, if I remember. Amazing cafeteria. Yeah, Amazing. Not, not too bad on the food. So no. Eagles get a great bye week in my opinion, coming at week 10. You know, some teams had it really early, and I actually did a, did a video on this in the offseason. I'm forgetting the exact numbers, but if you look at Super Bowl winners over the last 10 years, most of the time the bye comes like after week eight because it really means a lot to get that rest late in the season. But as we sit here now, after week nine, Really, could we have asked for a better first nine weeks of the season coming off of a Super Bowl hangover, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, all the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and the Philadelphia Eagles have the best record in the NFL at 8-1? and one. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's been, it's been quite a ride along the way. Um, it has not been easy. It is not easy to come back after a Super Bowl appearance, incredibly long season last year. So that the fact that the Eagles have played with so much energy, overcome so many things, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, a lot of personnel changes, um, integrating a rookie class really prominently into this season. And it's not just the draft picks. You know, there's been players like Eli Ricks and the draft class of Jalen and and Nolan Smith and, you know, um, uh, uh, Joel, uh, Steen, Tyler Steen playing and you know, Sidney Brown playing. And so there's a lot of change. Um, and it, it's been a bit bumpy at times. And I know how the fans have reacted. But when you step back from it, as you say, and you're at the bye, and you look around the league, and, you, and if you watch any other games, you see that teams all have challenges. Some don't score in the red zone, touchdowns. Some have not a great this or not a great that. But here the Eagles stand eight and one. And I know this is a difficult stretch in the schedule, but I'm looking at the whole thing and I feel like the Eagles are in great shape right now. And they have shown that they have a championship medal. And that is something that is really indescribable. How do the Eagles win some of these games like Sunday when it certainly could have gone either way? And to me, there's just that certain something special with this football team. They know how to win games. And so, look, I think, you know, if you've been around long enough and you watch enough games, you go, 
it's it's that game. That that game is what matters. That day, that three hours is what matters. We all spend during the week all this time rehashing what's this, what happened there. Let's talk about the past. Let's take a look forward. Then you get to the game, and the only thing that matters is that game. And it's not necessarily the best team that wins that day. It's the best, it's the best team that wins. It's the best team that day that wins. And I learned that over, over the years, okay? And the latest example was the Super Bowl. I felt the Eagles were the better team, but the Kansas City Chiefs played a better game that day. And when we, and that's all that matters. So being 8-1, look, there are still some major challenges here, some injuries, tough schedule, et cetera. Um, other teams getting better, but I think the Eagles are thrilled with where they're standing. Such a big win on Sunday, not only because it was the Dallas Cowboys, but not only what it meant to the NFC East, but the NFC in its entirety. Eagles really start are starting to separate themselves, hopefully, in that NFC. You still got to worry about the Detroit Lions, and we could talk more about that next week. But let's focus on this Dallas Cowboys game. Dave, end of the game. Cowboys have the ball at the six-yard line, first down. What's going through your head? Because I know I was a nervous wreck, man. Well, I was thinking that, you know, they'd just gotten a stop with Reed Blankenship, that anything's possible, um, and that the crowd was incredibly loud, and and let's hope something great happens. Uh, let's have let's play with confidence. And and the Eagles rose up with a, with a pass rush and made a difference. And, um, you know, it was hard to focus on that moment. There were so many crazy things that had happened. I felt so good when the Eagles had the possession of the football. And then the fumble, and I almost my heart almost leapt out of my mouth. And yeah, so it was crazy. But I felt that the Eagles would certainly pressure Dak, which they did, and that um, somehow, I mean, I was confident. Sometimes somehow the Eagles would would make a stand. What did pop in my mind very briefly, because everything was moving so fast, was the game when To came back to Lincoln Financial Field, and the Cowboys are driving. And That's one of my favorite memories. And super hyped for that game. And Leo Shepard made the interception and raced down the field for the touchdown. And so there was a precedent there. And um, it was a very similar situation, very chaotic, um, very exciting, and ultimately very satisfying that the Eagles defense rose up and made plays. It's funny that you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing because that was actually my first game ever when I worked down there with Dom for the Philadelphia Eagles. My first game on the sidelines was that game. Drew Bledsoe throws the interception to Lito, and he takes it 102 yards the other way. And I got in trouble last week from some of my followers saying, never sing again, because I was singing on the show last week what everyone at the link was singing, that Lito, oh, yeah. what a memory that was, man. But I thought the same thing. How nice would it be? to get a turnover. They don't get the turnover. Well, actually, they do get the turnover. They did get the the turnover. last play of the game, but yeah. huge play by Josh Sweat getting that that sack. That was a big sack. But the drive before that, let's talk about Brandon Graham, man. Seems to show up in big moments all the time, none bigger than Super Bowl 52. He made three really big plays in that Cowboys game. Two back-to-back -back sacks on that drive where Dallas had the ball at the Eagles 31. But even before that, Dak on that two-point conversion steps out of bounds. And I did a video on my Instagram about this. If you look at Brandon Graham hustling to try to cut off that corner, those are plays that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. But the reason Dak steps out of bounds there is because BG is running as fast as he possibly can, leaving it all out on the field, trying to get to that corner. So I spent a lot of time with BG last week, and one of our events that we did was we had um, a couple dozen fans come down and spend, you know, kind of just like a walk, walk and talk with with BG um, in one of the clubs, in the locker room, in the tunnel, on the field, and Brandon's in a very um, in the moment kind of mindset right now. He doesn't know if he's going to come back next year. It's his 14th season he understands where he is in his career. So he's cherishing every single moment and, and the reps aren't as much as they used to be. So every rep counts matters so much to him. And so to see him 
make those plays so satisfying for every Eagles fan who's loved BG for the 14 years that he's given this football team. And his hustle, like this is why you never quit on a play. And this is why he's such a leader, such a great example to everyone. I guarantee you that the coaching staff pointed to that play, to every single person on the roster and said, this is what it means to be a team player. This is what it means to be a star in your role. This is what it means to never quit on a play. As it turned out, you know, that made all the difference in the world. And so, and then he comes back with a sack and a half. So, um, yeah, great, great happiness for BG. Um, it meant so much to him. The joy that he brings to this building every day, to this team, to the city every day. It's really, he's a great example of how you approach your life, not just your football career, your life. And it wasn't always that way with BG. It was some early tough times with him. He was not an immediate star. He got hurt in his rookie season. He changed positions when Chip Kelly came in. He never really hit his stride. He told me many times here until about 2017. So um, last year he gets double digit sacks. The year before he makes the Pro Bowl um, or two years before that he makes the Pro Bowl. Um, had the 20, uh, 20 Achilles tendon in 2021. Remarkable career, remarkable guy, and just so thrilled that he stepped up in those moments. Yeah, you talk about how it wasn't always was easy. I mean, there were a lot of people saying BG was a bust when they when they drafted him after a couple of seasons, and now you look back. Everybody wanted everybody wanted uh, who they they wanted the safety. Earl Thomas. From, uh, yep, Earl Thomas. Yep. And thank God they went with BG. Not that Earl Thomas didn't have a nice he great, career. He had a great but, career too. But BG turned out to be one of the best to ever do it. And I was looking at the stats last night with Ray Didinger. I had him on my other show. BG needs two more games to have the most games played in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. That's cr Well, one more to tie Akers, two more to have sole possession, which is unbelievable. And they got three guys, Dave, BG, Kelsey, and Fletcher Cox, that after this season, if they stay healthy, may finish one, two, and three for most games played in franchise history. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, and Lane Johnson's not far behind. Um, well, I guess he's kind of far behind, but he, hopefully he'll play for several more years. It's it's amazing. I mean, th this is why we go back to the original part of the coming back from the Super Bowl. How does it happen when you have that kind of leadership? Um, and I know that when Nick talks about it, some people may roll their eyes. But here's something that's really interesting, Bill. Since the first week of the 2022 season, every single week since then, the Eagles have either had or shared the best record in the NFL. And, and, and that's incredible. That's a, that's a sustained run of, of, of greatness. So, again, I think it goes back to those leaders integrating. There's so many young players playing now. This is all going to benefit the Eagles down the stretch, moving into the postseason. Um, yeah, Fletch, and Fletch sees Bryce Harper on the, on the video board during the game. I think the next play gets a sack. And then does one of these on the field, <laughs> like just having fun. And so it's great to see the veterans leading the way, still being productive and being just great examples and, and still really good football players. That stat you gave about having the best record or being tied for the best record the last 27 weeks. Like this is stuff you see at the college level. You don't see this at the NFL level anymore. It's amazing what this team has been able to do with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. And it was a big win on Sunday. It wasn't always perfect, as we talked about. So let's talk about one of the things that had a lot of people yelling at their TV was C.D. Lamb. He's a good wide receiver. I mean, what did you see as to why C.D. Lamb was able to get 190 yards receiving on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a really good receiver. He, he We talked about it last week, the way he came out of the slot against the Eagles last Christmas Eve. 10 catches, 120, two touchdowns. He's a Pro Bowl player. I don't quite know why he doesn't get the the uh, recognition as one of the A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson level players. Maybe he's a tiny notch below that, but I'm not sure. Tough matchup. Worked a lot against Eli Ricks. Very tough matchup for the young guy. Dallas is very heavily uh, Prescott to Lamb. So he gets a ton of targets. Look, I, I get it. But, I mean, and the Eagles gave up some yardage, and they gave up some yardage late for sure. But, man, they held the, the number two scoring offense in the league 5.1 points below 
their average. And, and only six points in that second half. Only yeah, six so points. Like we're, we're, I am understanding that, and we all are here. You know, The like Eagles know there's, there's, they've got to be better. They're giving up yards in the passing game. They're not giving up yards in the run game. So it, it's hopefully they get Bradley Roby back. Hopefully, you know, um, Bayard gets a little more integrated into the defense. Maybe this rest helps the whole group in, in general because they've just gone through so many ups and downs. But, um, yeah, they've given up some pass yards. No question. So something to work on here. So one thing, you know Philadelphia Eagles fans and what they love are memories of those Buddy Ryan defenses and you got to blitz more, you got to blitz more. And it's just not the reality of the current NFL. And going into that Dallas game, Eagles were blitzing about 24% of the time, which put the middle of the pack of the NFL. That's pretty average for the NFL in today's NFL. But in that game against the Dallas Cowboys, Desai really pulled back on the blitzing. I think he only blitzed about 13% of the time. I think it was like seven blitzes on however many dropbacks Dak had. Do you think that was because of all the changes that are going on in that secondary, that he doesn't want to expose the secondary until they get more familiarity with each other? Yeah, I think the Eagles thought that they would also win up front, which they did. Um, they had, I think... I have the numbers here, and I don't have them right, right at my hand. They had five, five sacks, sacks ten yeah. quarterback hurries, you know, um, a bunch of hits. I thought Dak did a good job escaping some pressure at times. But, yeah, I mean, don't give up the big play. Make them work for it. Again, there's going to be some – there's going to be some puncture wounds. But Dallas never had that killer, killer – Big, big play. And I think that's the big concern around the NFL. You want to win with a four-man pass rush. The Eagles, we've talked about this. If, if they dominate at the line of scrimmage with their four-man pass rush, the defense behind it is going to be fine. It's just hard to dominate with four-man pass rushing. So it's a, it's a risk. I mean, look, it's a, it's a calculated decision. At the end of the day, the Eagles gave up 23 points, um, made some stops, some close, like 23 points by – by hair, but um, that's the bottom line. So yes, they've given up some yards. I think they would trade that for the points per game. Uh, they know that things need to get better. Um, but bottom line is the bottom line, Bill. I, I, I don't, I don't really. I mean, I, I in today's NFL, there's just there's just too many weapons. The the rules are such that you're going to give up yards, and they have played some some good offenses here. So yeah, you give up some yards, give up. The, Give up the yards, don't give up the points. I think that's a fair trade-off. And they definitely did what they had to do to win a big game against them boys, who actually played pretty good. I, I think the yeah. Dallas Cowboys have a good team. Great game. And they have Cowboys one are of the very, better teams. Really, Cowboys are a quality team. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not going to go away. I mean, they're going to be tough in December. Um, they get to the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out. I mean, the, to me, the NFC is, is a wide-open field here, and – and, to, and if the Eagles can get – all that matters is get that – if you can get that number one seed, if you can get that number one seed and get a bye week and have the conference playoffs come through Lincoln Financial Field, that will be a huge plus for the Eagles. I don't care about the yards. I don't care about the this. I don't care about – there's things to work on, of course. But if you can get that number one seed and come through Philly – you get another bye week here in eight more weeks. And that's why that was such a big game. Because it really, if we were sitting here seven and two at the bye, basically tied with the Cowboys, basically tied with the Lions, only a game up on the Niners and the Seahawks, we'd be, oh man, and now we got this tough stretch. So that was a huge win for the Eagles to really start to separate themselves in the NFC. I loved it. Now the one negative that happened in that game was we saw Dallas Goddard go down. I was relieved to see some of the reports saying it looks like he may only be out about four weeks. But that's a big loss for this Eagles team. And not only in the passing game, but how good of a run blocker Dallas Goddard is. What do you think they do now? Who steps up at that tight end position to fill Dallas Goddard's role? 
You know, I'm going to take last year as an example when he missed five games, and I think the Eagles scored 130-something points. They averaged more than 30 points a game when he was gone. You can mix your personnel packages. Um, Jack Stoll's a good in-line blocker. Calcaterra hopefully comes back healthier. I don't know his status coming back from the concussion. Um, they'll add somebody, I would imagine. You know, Albert O, we'll see if he gets some more reps, see how they can manipulate the personnel packages here. I It'll be challenging. I mean, there's no question about it. And I don't know how much time he's going to miss. I think the Eagles are um, hopeful. But it is absolutely a loss to the offense. But as we learned last year, there are ways to kind of reconfigure your offensive strategy. Again, game to game, people. It's game to game. All you care about is finding a way to beat the Chiefs in two Mondays. And so I'm interested to see. It'll be they, they, the Eagles went through it last year. They had solutions. I am confident they will have solutions this year. But certainly they are losing a dynamic player in Dallas Goddard, whose catch and run abilities, his blocking abilities will be missed. And now I got the toughest question of the day for you. You said Albert O. How do you pronounce his last name, Dave? Yeah, I haven't even practiced it, so I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I tried, man. I, I've tried. It's a. It's a tough one. But Albert O works. We'll, we'll, we'll go with Albert O. It's like it's, it's like it's like Big V from years ago. I didn't really learn Big V until late, late, late in his career. So give me give me a little while here. Where's Big V now? Is, he still, mm-hmm. is Big V still in the league? I think he's with the Lions. I think he's playing right guard with the Lions. Yeah, they got a decent offensive line, don't they? The Detroit yeah, Lions. They've, they've invested in. They they did it right. They had high draft picks. They invested in the offensive line, um, defensive line with Hutchinson's a great player, and you know they are they are a team to watch, no doubt. Another thing that a lot of fans are making some noise about is this running game, and it hasn't been as effective as it was last season. There's a lot of theories for it. Some people are saying, hey, when Cam Jurgens went out, we've seen the rushing game start to be affected, that defenses are stacking the box. The other theory is, hey, Jalen Hurts isn't running as much as he did before, which doesn't open things up on the running game like it did last season. What do you think's going on with that running game for this Eagles team? Well, I'm going to take the uh, the un- un- conventional tact here, Bill, of Nick Sirianni yesterday said that he was happy with the way the running game is. And there ain't no way that I'm going to sit here and tell you that I'm not happy with the run game. If my head coach says he's happy with the run game, I'm happy with the run game. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's... But they will need it. Look, I, I will say this. They will need it in the months to come, the games to come. And in four minute offense time, they will need to be productive, move the sticks, and and keep the offense going. So it's it is something that they will certainly look to continue to improve. And it's funny because look, my job is I sit here and I and I analyze everything that they're doing and yeah. all that. But when you do take a step back and you look at what the offense has been able to do through the first 9 weeks of the season, they're in the tops in the NFL in points per game, tops in the NFL in yards per game. So and everyone's up in arms. How's that red zone, Bill? How's that red, red zone's zone? getting better, man. Red zone's getting, getting better, better, too. Yeah. I mean, outside of those two turnovers against the commanders in the red zone, you look at the last few weeks, they've been really Miami. good. Miami. Yeah, really good. Miami as well. Really good in the red zone. And I liked, I really liked the play calling in the red zone against the Cowboys. I thought that Brian Johnson was creative. I liked some of the play designs. I'll Love tell the you motion the, play to A.J. Brown. Love it. Great um, call. I'm – I'm kind of one of those guys that when the play works, we all go, man, that was a great play call. And when the play doesn't work, we go, ah, geez, what what was he thinking there? Why would you throw to A.J. Brown down the field on third down? Well, because he has a one-on-one matchup and he's been a stud all year. And the the theory in the NFL, the the thinking has always been when you see a man cover, man-to-man coverage, certainly when you go against somebody like A.J. Brown, when you see man-to-man coverage, that's where you're throwing the football. He's so good. He he is so good. I told you I had Ray Dittinger on the show last night, and I said, Ray, you've been following this team now for 50 years. Is A.J. Brown the best receiver the Eagles have ever had? And Diddy said, I'm not ready to go there. He said, they have some Hall of Famers that have played receivers in this town. He said, but I would say that A.J. Brown is the best receiver in the NFL right now. 
Diddy said he would take him over Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. That's how good he thinks A.J. Brown is. He's been awesome, and um, let's just look. keep going to him. Uh, keep him active and keep Devontae active. And if these two receivers, they're such matchup nightmares for teams, uh, and you likely will see a lot of targets going to them, a lot of balls going to them now with, with Dallas Goddard out. I got one more question for you because this is one of our guys who's on this chat every single day. He's asked this a couple times, so now I'm going to ask you if you have it. He says, Bill, ask Dave to give a shout-out or a story about someone at the Novacare complex that none of us have heard of, like a cafeteria worker, a janitor, security. So is there anybody that does a great job that never gets any recognition down there? I mean, I mean there's a lot, like – I mean, our, our, our kitchen staff, you know, uh, when you hear a player come to the Eagles and they and the reporters go, well, what are your first impressions of the Eagles? And they go, well, there's a lot of energy in the building and boy, the food's really great. Yeah. And I can't, uh, I, I can't uh, overstate how important that is. And again, when I do tours and stuff, I always go to the cafeteria and there's a smoothie bar. It's the only thing that Chip Kelly ever did right. It's like <laughs> the only thing that sports science, that, that smoothie bar is great. But you have to realize that these kids are kids. And if they were left to their own devices, they would eat really poorly. So the emphasis is on getting them their meals here, making sure they're eating well. And we have, I don't know, six, seven, eight chefs here. And the food is amazing. So I would go with them. You know, our, our janitorial staff is great. Like, everybody's great. Like, it's a, I, f- I forget who I was talking to. Somebody was saying that they were in the building from maybe a media thing or a whatever. And they kind of were just, they stepped back and like talked about the Eagles, just everybody in the building kind of observation, how everybody has their stuff together. Everybody's like working on the same page. Like, like you can tell the Eagles are just a really good organization because everybody is impressive when you meet them. And that's kind of the way I feel like no matter what your job is here, we have, we're, we have a building of great, great people. And some get recognized, some don't, but all are valued, all are treated the same and, you know, all have the purpose of, of winning football games and, and having a great organization, by the way, making an impact off the field too. So, you know, like, for example, Ryan Hammond runs our Eagles Autism Foundation and the Eagles Autism Foundation has raised more than $20 million since 2018. Like that's, that makes a difference in people's life. And our community relations. We go out into the community. You know, every Wednesday I go out with our staff and Jason Avant. We run this like youth clinic for these kids in some neighborhoods in Philadelphia that might not get the attention that they need for these elementary school kids. And then we do a little Q&A with the kids and talk to the kids. This is what matters. And making a difference in people's lives is what matters. Winning football games for sure. But when you can do it, make an impact like that every single day, it's very rewarding, and it kind of shows just how well-run the organization is, how impactful the Eagles organization is, and how everybody really cares about it and and works hard and is part of the team. Yeah, and Jason Avant's got such a great story. So I, I if, if, if people don't know what his story is, make sure you check it out because I could see why he wants to help youth because he yeah. had a really good Tough story. upbringing. Yeah, for sure, and he's turned it around. Yep. And that, that question came from, and you'll love his name, Wine Niners Wine is his name in the chat. So I know Dave would love that. Is that Debo Samuel's cousin? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you making the time today, man. I know you got to run to another meeting. But yep. as always, man, it's it's a great to have you on the show, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, have everybody, and uh, enjoy the bye week, everybody. And once again, go birds. <laughs> That's our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. Always good to have him on the show. Great question from Wine Niners Wine. And when we come back, guys, I see you in the chat talking a lot of Philadelphia Phillies. People can't get enough Phillies, so we'll jump back, do a little bit of Phillies talk as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Appreciate all you guys here in the chat. We just had Dave Spadaro, our Eagles insider. Always fun talking to Dave. And I know he works for the Eagles. I know his opinion has to be a little bit biased, but he's been with that team for a long time, so he's very knowledgeable. He knows what he's talking about. And it's good to get some inside stories about the Novacare complex. But, man, that facility is beautiful like i said i had the luxury of being able to work down there it is a great facility great cafeteria and everybody that works there top notch you have to say jeffrey Lurie has built a great organization there's no surprise that the eagles are good almost every single season because it's all about culture it's all about the organization because you look at other teams who just struggle year after year after year. It's like any business, any good company. You have a bad culture, it's going to be very difficult to succeed. But thanks to Dave Spadaro for coming on. And I see you guys in the chat talking Phillies. We'll get there in a second. But you got to bear with me for a minute. I just got to talk about my fantasy football beat that I had last night, man. And I know it's annoying sometimes hearing about people's fantasy football beats. But going into that game last night, I was tied with my opponent. He had the Chargers defense. I had Brees Hall and Dicker the kicker for the Chargers. CBS Sportsline had me at like a 95% chance of winning. And I lost that freaking game because the Chargers defense went off last night on the New York Jets. Zach Wilson stinks, man. He is just, it is tough watching him play quarterback. It really is. But they even gave up a punt return for a touchdown. Everything that needed to happen for me to lose that game happened. And he still only ended up beating me by like two points. But punt return for a touchdown. I think they had, what, like seven sacks last night, a couple of turnovers. Just a frustrating, frustrating loss in fantasy football. But let's jump over to the fight in Phils because I see you guys talking about the Phillies in the chat. So just a reminder, 
The Phillies extend a qualifying offer to Aaron Nola. And what does that mean? Basically, it means that if he was to accept the qualifying offer, which he is not going to accept, he would get a one-year deal, which is the average of the top 125 salaries in Major League Baseball, which this year would give him a little over $20 million. Well, he is clearly going to reject that because Aaron Nola is in line for well over $100 million as a starting pitcher. So my question for you guys in the chat, should the Philadelphia Phillies make a concerted effort to bring back Aaron Nola to this pitching staff? And would you break the bank for Nola? We saw how good Aaron Nola can be. He has the potential to be a Cy Young pitcher. We saw how dominant he can be at times in the postseason. But you also saw what had fans so frustrated with Aaron Nola last season in the postseason and this season in the postseason is he has those games where he seems to fall apart. You saw it last year in the NLCS and the World Series, and you saw it this year in the NLCS. And I see in the chat, Sammy Chan, or Sammy Chan, excuse me, no to Nola. Steve Patton, no, he's too up and down. CZ, depends on the price. Transistor Zen, Nola can't come through in the biggest moment. Wine Niners, wine. You may not be wrong here, saying the Phillies should get advice from Howie Roseman, and he could fix the Flyers in two seasons. (laughs) Howie Roseman is a god in this town now, isn't he? It's not too long ago where people were saying, fire Howie, fire Howie, but he's definitely made some things right, hasn't he? Let's see. The fact checker, they can't afford to let the few good pitchers that they have go unless they have an equal replacement. Pitching wins games in this league. You saw what happened to the Phillies in the NLCS. When you're really relying on your bats and they don't come through, you have to have really exceptional pitching. They have Zach Wheeler, but do they bring back Nola? I think you have to bring back Nola because I don't know who else they can go out and get. Now, as angry as I was with Aaron Nola in these big moments, I'd break the bank for him. I'd bring him back. I think it would have been a no-brainer. If they would have won the World Series this year, there would have been a no-brainer they bring him back. But now it's a question about how much is a team going to offer Aaron Nola. And look, if it's ridiculous money, if it's astronomical money that someone overpays him, you may have to just be out on him. But I would really like to see them make a concerted effort to try to bring Nola back. And I see Crawley in the chat saying Nola sucks, but you have to bring him back. You may not be wrong. I wouldn't say he sucks, but I do think you have to bring him back. You need him to be on this pitching staff. Now, the Phillies did make a couple of moves. Nothing big, nothing that's going to move the needle. They get left-handed pitcher Josh Fleming from the Tampa Bay Rays, and they also get right-handed pitcher Michael Mercado from the Tampa Bay Rays. Mercado's never appeared in Major League Baseball, so not sure what he has. Fleming has 55 appearances in his career. This past season, he appeared in 12 games, started in three of them, and nine of them was a reliever who can really eat up a lot of innings. So we'll see, but obviously the Phillies aren't done. This is just getting started because they have another big decision to make that I want your guys' opinion on. So we talked about, do they bring Nola back? What do you do with Reese Hoskins? And it's tough sometimes. You got to separate the fan in you from what the best business decision would be for the Phillies. Because you know we all love Reese Hoskins. He's been here a long time. That freaking bat slam that he had in last year's Red October was memorable, man. We'll never forget that. That image, that video still gives me goosebumps of Reese slamming that bat down. But do you bring him back? And Brian Lippincott in the chat is 100% right. It depends on where Harper wants to play. Because it really worked out well this season. Moving Bryce Harper to first base. And it allowed you to set up your outfield a little bit better. 
You have Schreiber as your DH. So is there even a spot for Reese Hoskins on this team? And my producer, who's a huge Phillies fan, just messaged me that the bats went silent when they needed the most. Bring Reese back. So he thinks they should bring Reese back. Would Reese have come up big if they would have had him on that NLCS roster? We will see. Jay Monty, we miss Reese's bat, but he sucks at first base. It's amazing, too. You talk about Reese sucking at first base. Bryce Harper, what he was able to do, how quickly he acclimated to first base. He made some good plays at first base for the first time ever playing it. But where does he want to play? If Bryce wants to stay at first, can you bring Reese back? Where do you put him? So you guys who are saying bring Reese back, and you too, Xander, where are you putting Reese? What's the plan then if you sign Reese Hoskins and he plays first base, where do you put Bryce? What do you do with Schwarber? You know, I I don't know what this lineup looks like with Reese back. I'd like to see him back. I'd like that bat in the lineup. But it's a big question mark. And how much money is he going to get? Phillies did not extend him a qualifying offer. That would have put them on the hook for one year over $20 million. So they didn't sign or didn't make him a qualifying offer. Does that mean they're out on Reese? No. It's just that they don't think he's worth one year $20 million. So it'll be interesting to see what the Phillies do. I saw some people earlier before we had Spadaro on talking about Otani. Phils aren't getting Otani. But what a stud that guy is. He's not going to pitch this season. Maybe not even pitch for the next two seasons after undergoing that Tommy John. But still, his bat is just so damn good. But where does Otani sign? Because that's going to change everything in Major League Baseball. He's that good. And what happens with Mike Trout? Is he staying in Los Angeles? What a disaster. They're just ruining that guy's career. <laughs> I see Daz in the chat saying, let me dream, Billy boy. Yeah, let's dream a little bit. We're getting Otani then. Let, let, let's dream about it because I really doubt, really doubt it's going to happen. Really doubt it's going to happen. But, hey, gives us stuff to talk about, gives us things to think about. Spring training's right around the corner, man. Flies by. Flies by. But we have our Philadelphia Eagles right now and our 76ers both playing some really good football and baseball. And a big test for the 76ers tomorrow night against the Boston Celtics. So we'll see what they can do against a good team like the Celtics. But I really love the way they've looked through this five-game stretch, these five straight wins. Nick Nurse has advertised. We knew he was a good coach. We knew he was a better coach than Doc Rivers. And right on cue, Steve Patton in the chat. Nick Nurse is a really good head coach. He really is. He really is. He's got this team playing well. And like I told you guys earlier, if they can keep winning games and stay in the playoff hunt, which they should be able to be in the playoff hunt, it's not that difficult to make the playoffs in the NBA, you don't know what stars are going to be available at that trade deadline. Things happen. And the Sixers have assets, finally have assets, to make a big move at the deadline. After they got James Harden, they were handcuffed. They couldn't do anything. They didn't have the cap space. They didn't have the draft capital. They didn't have anything to be able to move players to get a star. Now they do. So if this team can keep winning and Nick Nurse's system keeps working with this offense, things could get interesting at the deadline for the Sixers. I'm not ready to write off this season. I know the Bucs are extremely good. I know the Celtics are extremely good. But this team still has Joel Embiid. They have Tyrese Maxey, who looks like he has taken a huge leap forward. Again. He's an exciting player to watch. He could be an all-star this season if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Ubre 
looks good. Tobias Harris, under this Nick Nurse system, looks like he's playing well. So, look, I want to calm myself down a little bit because I've gotten my heart broken too many times by this Sixers team. But it is an exciting thing to watch right now. This Sixers team is an enjoyable team to watch. The system they run, the offense they play, the way these guys are playing. So let's hang in there. Let's enjoy it because you never know what could happen at the trade deadline with this Sixers team. But we'll talk more about the Sixers this week. We'll talk more about our Flyers. I see somebody in the chat just said the Flyers don't suck. Was that wine, Niners wine? Yeah, and the Flyers don't suck. They're playing so hard. They're playing so hard. They're winning close games. They're the goal differential in their last five, even though they've lost four out of five, is not by much. They're, they're losing games in the third period, but they're playing hard. That's all you could ask for. And they are really playing hard. They just don't have as much talent as some of these other teams do. But look, we got a lot of well-coached teams in this city. Nick Sirianni's a great coach. A great coach. John Tortorella, a great hockey coach, has these guys playing really well. And now we have Nick Nurse on the Sixers, another good coach. And look, we've had our disagreements with some of the decisions Topper made in the playoffs. But Topper is a great manager. He's shown us two years in a row what he's been able to do with this team, getting them to the NLCS this year, the World Series last year. So we are a very lucky fan base right now with four really solid head coaches. And we talked about it last week on the show. It could have been, we could be sitting here with Josh McDaniels as our freaking head coach. Could you imagine that disaster? I mean, there's a lot of bad coaches in the NFL. Ron Rivera is probably on his way out in Washington. Every single year, how many head coaches? I forget what the attrition rate is, but head coaches change like crazy in the NFL on that Black Monday, they call it. But, and I was real high on Brian Dable coming over from as the offensive coordinator from Buffalo to the New York Giants, but my God, do the Giants look bad. And they've made some bad decisions. Bad decisions. Kevin Safard, Bill, wash your mouth out. What'd I say, Kevin? What'd I say? Did I say something bad? Sometimes I got to be careful. I know we're on YouTube, but sometimes I got to watch my tongue. But let me know what I said so I can uh, correct it. Apologize to my mom. I think she watches this show. Sorry, Ma, if I said something bad. Oh, Kevin Savard, McDaniels. Well, you like Josh McDaniels? Please. Are you just saying? But he could have been the head coach. If you guys remember correctly, when the Eagles signed Nick Sirianni, the rumor that was circulating was that Josh McDaniels was the front runner to be the head coach of your Philadelphia Eagles. Could you imagine? As we sit here now, Nick Sirianni, 31-12 and 12 in his career, 721 winning percentage. Josh McDaniels fired. So we dodged that bullet. We dodged that bullet. But, guys, like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History, today is more kind of a sad day. It's the anniversary of a death of a big Philadelphia athlete, somebody that really embodied this city. But in 2011, November 7th, 2011, smoking Joe Frazier passed away. So let's remember Joe Frazier today obviously had those big, big boxing matches against Muhammad Ali. But Joe Frazier did a lot for this city and its boxing scene. So was that 12 years ago, Joe Frazier passed away. And Kevin Savard, just so that people know, if you're not reading the chat, Kevin Savard does not like Josh McDaniel. I got you, brother. I got you. He does not like Josh McDaniel either. So we're on the same page there, Kevin. I appreciate you. But, guys, like always, I do truly, truly appreciate you taking this hour spending with me. I love the engagement in the chat. I love that you guys contribute to the show. And like I say, we are trying to make this the best hour in Philadelphia sports talk. I appreciate all you guys who smash that like button. 
who hit that share button. And if you're not already following me on Twitter at Bill Calarulo and on Instagram at Legal Hands to the Face, head on over, give me a follow. We're posting daily Eagles content to all those platforms. But appreciate all of you guys. We will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I see James Jones giving you a little shout out. Appreciate you, James Jones. But appreciate all of you guys. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. As always, guys, go birds and have a good day. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.